Welcome everyone to episode four of the Average Ontario Anglers podcast. And we have a super timely episode today. It is about creek fishing for steelhead. I'm this week's host, Jesse, and we all know Andrew, the man with the mustache. How's it going? I'm doing all right. Excellent. If you're a first time listener tuning in, the Average Ontario Anglers podcast is three things. Number one, it's relatable. Number two, it's entertaining. And number three, it's very real. We're just normal guys, no fancy bass boats or anything. We're just like you. If you're listening and you do have a bass boat though, please give us a call. <laughs> <laughs> but we cover topics that every angler thinks and talks about, and we're happy to share our experiences, what we've learned, and our our knowledge and opinions. And we have lots of opinions, right, Andrew? Uh, 100%. Well, mainly this guy over here, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So just to start off, this week's podcast uh, giveaway sponsor has been donated by Marissa at The Row Bro. Now, every week, the way it works is we have paired up with a bunch of local companies, and we're happy to have paired up with Marissa at The Row Bro. The Row Bro is a very cool paracord row container with a carabiner that clips onto your vest. So if you're an avid steelhead or salmon fisherman, it's a must-have. And I have to say that... Um, I've been steelhead fishing for a long time. As soon as these started becoming more popular and I got one, I'm very happy and I've lost very few containers a row and it's always very handy. So we're going to get to the winner of that giveaway uh, later. But today, instead of interesting fishing fact, unfortunately, Andrew had one ready, but I canceled on him because yeah, we had thanks. something else. <laughs> it's also very interesting and it also revolves around fishing. So it's still an interesting fishing fact in, in kind of a way. It's very interesting. It's so this weekend... This weekend yep. is, is CanCast. I, I okay. can't wait. <laughs> it seems like I've waited so long for this week to come. I've but... heard there's so much hype about this. For those that have heard about it, you know, you've probably heard about it like dozens of times. For those of you who don't know about it, like listen up. This is this is awesome. Yeah. So, okay. So if you've never heard of CanCast, what's CanCast, Andrew? So it is a fishing uh, event show. So you're going to have vendors from the big names, the big you know, manufacturers like uh, like Shimano, like Daiwa, there they have their booths there. They have some tackle stores also have booths there. And you also have the tackle swap, which some people may remember from the Bowmanville tackle swap they used to have in the high school. So you're getting uh, vintage gear, you're getting used gear, you're getting small bait manufacturers. It's I'm so covers st- all bases. I'm so stoked. Yeah. And okay, I know how you said it's or a fishing show. I would like to say it is the fishing show, yes. okay? Yes. I've, we go to a lot of shows every year, but CanCast is legit the best one. So That's last, just my opinion. Last year, this is only its second year, and it's already what, the biggest fishing, straight fishing show in Canada or something like that, right? I'm pretty sure it, probably it is. I know on the website I said that it says that it's the biggest fishing show in southern Ontario or something, yeah. but it's probably the biggest fishing show in Canada. So like last year when they had the first one, there were some hiccups with the not with their planning or anything like that it's just there were so many people interested it was covid too the restrictions it was covid restrictions so there's so many people interested it was a hard time getting in the door i mean that's been addressed a few times i know by by kyle Crothers. but this i don't like we were both there last year and i would have to say that despite it being much smaller last year than it will be this year this weekend it was the best fishing show i've ever been to 100%. 100%. Like, I, I remember growing up going to the, the spring fishing show or the sportsman, the, the sportsman show. show. And those are great. They Nothing against them. Yeah. But Nothing Cancast, compared to Cancast. It's different. And I have a little yeah. story to tell you. I was at sale the other day. 
and I was talking to this guy and, and you know we were just we were looking at lures and we started a conversation and he said something about going to the one of the fishing shows I'm not going to name which one but he's like oh did you go and I was like yeah I went and he's like oh wasn't it awesome and I was like eh, it was okay he's like what do you mean I thought it was awesome and I was like well like half the booths had nothing to do with fishing so that that to me is kind of meh like I don't go to a fishing show to look at like a booth with granola bars in it I don't care okay I know like it has to happen but like and I said to him have you ever been to to CanCast and he's like no I couldn't make it last year and I was like okay that will change your mind on what you think the best fishing show is that has nothing to do with the other shows but like that's how good it is like people like that I'm telling them go to this show you will not regret it I know it may be a far drive it's worth it you know for, for most of us like like we're in the Oshawa area we you know people live, live in Bowmanville a lot of the people around the Kawarthas it's actually easier and more manageable and cheaper to get to Peterborough than it is downtown Toronto for the sportsman show. 100%. Like, it's a better location, I think, to the actual fishing community that's going to be, that it's for. And I'll tell you, people are driving for miles to get, like, people, like, if you think it's far to drive an hour to, to Peterborough, there are guys that are driving <laughs> way farther than that. And there's, for, that's for a reason. Yeah. Because it's a really good show. And we have a, a venue list. We're not going to read all of them, but Andrew's going to mention some of the ones that uh, we're excited to, to check out when we go to Cancast, and maybe you guys are too for sure so it's a big list though like it's it's huge there's, it's there's huge. a bunch of stuff so there are there's a list of vendors um the i mean just read a few beaver lures i know we're looking forward to that because they're hard to find uh, for musky baits uh black lures will be there uh canadian baits we also have um daiwa obviously dangle baits is great i have baits, baits. Yeah, really Carson cool. is a really nice guy. Yeah, yeah. and he, has, he makes some cool... Uh, I'm getting some more micro crankbaits from him. They worked really well in the BFS, but... He's he's like a master yeah, lure painter. painter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I bought a little cool topwater off him last year, and I, I did well with it. For sure. We got uh, East Hill Outdoors. That's fun. Euro Tackle, I'm excited about. Euro Tackle. We, every time I see it, I can't buy it. Yeah, Whenever they're, it's, they're at like, an event. it's for display only. Yeah. It's like, well, we want to buy. So apparently, uh, I've heard uh, rumors that you can actually purchase stuff from Euro Tackle this year. So oh, that's good. I'm excited. Because they have a lot of cool stuff. Yeah. Freedom Tackle will be cool. Uh, handlebars. Awesome. Musky, musky spinners. Yep. Yep. Hashimoto Concepts. I can't wait to go to his booth. I'm messaging him, messaging, messaging him online. And uh, he's going to set aside one of the, the Blades baits for me, which I've been if looking, looking at for years. If you're not familiar with this guy, he is follow him on instagram um, look at his baits he's like a master oh. lure maker yeah he and it's not just stuff that you've seen it's all very unique and very interesting stuff yeah so we're excited to meet him finally yeah. kite flies also be there hashimoto concepts also has a podcast so check it out yeah uh we also have uh mac attack outdoors there will be uh musky maniacs it's gonna be there musky maniacs some of the best hats raw like fish. andrew's wearing one right yeah. now but hey yeah i have yeah. a raw fish hat on right now so they're gonna be there as well uh like I said, you got Peterborough Pro Tackle is going to be there. And apparently they rented like 14 booths. It's going to yeah. be a big chunk of, of good deals in there. Another one I'm super excited for is uh, the Scum Frog booth. That's I love, cool. I'm love. i a big Scum Frog fan. We so are I'd like big to see Scum Frog. If they have some of their, their... And they have new products coming out and yeah. they're probably going to be there. I can't say for sure, but I'm, I'm hoping that the new products... They have a Launch Frog Junior size now. Yeah. Woo. Well, because this Get is the first on one, one after iCast. This is the first event after iCast where everything gets released that now you can actually purchase these things that are released so, so all if you're not familiar with icast yeah. icast is like the big show in florida every year where they release all the new stuff new reels new baits everything and since if cancast was before icast 
you you wouldn't see any of that stuff no. but cancast strategically is after so all the new stuff is going to get brought to this event so if you want to see new stuff literally right after icast yeah come to cancast it's, it's going to be the first <laughs> event you can actually see this stuff at in yeah. canada a uh, couple of other things uh yolo tech yamamoto baits yamamoto is cool. Baits, cool. and of course our uh, sponsor for the giveaway the robro will also be there the robo will be there and i have a extra secret giveaway that we're going to talk to you about after so for this week's giveaway we're, we're again we're giving away a custom robro and marissa's gonna whoever wins she's gonna custom build this whatever color you want which is really cool but she's also giving away a robro at cancast for our giveaway as well so that is the second part of the giveaway but you have to go to cancast to pick it up so we're gonna be announcing that giveaway winner um very soon before cancast a few days before so very exciting i can't wait for for that it's one of the cool things too so i love so again those are some of the the vendors there's also 80 personal tables so these are guys like the tackle swap section these are guys who they have they've been collecting old baits for years or it's just their old tackle boxes uh, some you have some pros there. Sometimes, or they're pros and they have all this extra stuff. And they have last stuff. year's gear and, and they're yeah. selling that off. So there's you can get some really good deals on, you know, some used equipment that still has a lot of life in it. Or one of my favorite things to do is look for those vintage baits and yeah. you can get a good deal on some of the vintage baits that are hard to find otherwise. And, and you can get a selection there's crazy. Really good deals. Yeah. Like last year, I I brought a decent amount of cash, but I was like, ah, I should have brought way more. Like <laughs> I've, I've if you if you want to save money. If you have no qualms about buying used gear in good condition yeah. and you want to save money, 100% go to those 80 tables. You will save a ton of money. Yeah. You can buy like, we were looking at like musky lures and bait casting reels, all in good shape or some of them, you know, a little beat up, but dirt cheap. To play devil's advocate here though, if you want to save money, don't go to this show if you're a fisherman because you'll be spending money. <laughs> 100%. Be prepared. But it's, it's, it's worth it though. It's not the regular, you know, when you go to like the normal fishing shows, like the sportsman show and stuff. It'll be like no tax or something. It's like, okay, that's okay. Yeah. But CanCast is different. It's actually good deals. Yeah. It's stuff that you're like, I cannot not buy this. Yeah. Okay. And that's yes. the difference between CanCast. So if you can squirrel away some money or steal some, we don't recommend <laughs> We don't stealing. advocate stealing. <laughs> <laughs> steal some from your own bank account. It would be well worth it. But it, it's not just a show. It is an experience. Yeah. And speaking of the show side of it, so there are seminars as well. That have not been announced yet, but there will be more uh, coming shortly. Uh, I got well. I guess by the time this podcast airs, they will be announced. So that's great. Yeah. Uh, there's also going to be door prizes as well. Yeah. So, you know, if you're early or if you're there midday, or there's going to be raffle just for entering. There's going to be some cool stuff there. So, 100%. It's worth it. The, the what you're going to get for the ticket price, you can get it online. You can get your tickets online. Also, hey, did you buy your ticket for Cancast yet? By the time this airs, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but right now, you haven't. No, have you? Bad. I did. Yeah. Oh, okay. And I'll tell you what, how easy it was. This is how easy it is to buy a ticket at CanCast. So don't wait in line at CanCast to buy a ticket. Yeah. Buy it online, and then they email you a QR code. Skip the line, walk right up, boom, they scan you, you're in. I'm going to be silent for the next five minutes now uh, on a completely unrelated topic. <laughs> <laughs> He's just quickly uh, <laughs> buying his CanCast ticket online. But I highly recommend if you haven't bought your ticket already, buy it online. Yeah. It's not that expensive. It's like 10, 11 bucks or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I think it's 10 bucks plus tax. Dude. But yeah, you're going to, the value you're going to get from this, like you can save, if you're worried about, I have to spend money to get in a door to then spend more money. 
it's cheaper than the sportsman show it's all fishing so if you're an angler this is where you want to be and you're going to be getting a lot more than a ten dollar discount on whatever you're buying 100%. like it's and hey 100%, it's a no-brainer if you if you don't have money because a lot of us don't yeah <laughs> you don't have any money go to the show anyway you will see insane stuff and you will meet a ton of amazing yeah. everyone there loves fishing yes everyone all the vendors there love fishing and they love to talk all these guys want to tell you about their their lures or their mm-hmm. their things that they make and they create all these like lure makers and stuff talk to them yeah well they, they love talking about their product what you can't take home in physical products you can take home knowledge by talking to these guys you can you know, just see what you know there's, there's going to be guides there there's going to be yep. Uh, so Lots of you guys. can kind of pick their brain. Uh, there's going to be pros you can talk to. Like I said, the seminars there. Hey, there's a lot you can actually learn. We're right. going to be there. We're going to be there. You know. So as, I mean, if you can't take anything home from from the show, you can take home a high five from one of us, and a selfie if we're feeling generous. <laughs> <laughs> For a small fee. Just kidding. <laughs> no, but seriously, if you guys see us at uh, at Cancast, yeah. come say hi. Unfortunately, like we. All the time, people will be like, oh, I saw you at the store. I saw you at the sportsman show. And I'm like, well, why didn't you come say hi? Yeah. And they're like, oh, I thought you were busy. I'm like, dude, come say hi. If you see this scraggly I'm mustache driving them. around Oshawa, just like give me a honk and a wave. I'm That'd be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, you can tell that five-minute intro on CanCast turned into 20 minutes. But we're excited. So this weekend, I'm really excited. So we're going to do an episode after CanCast and talk about what we bought, all of our loot. But before we get to our main topic, we'd like to take a quick second to thank everyone for listening to this podcast. The feedback that we've gotten so far has been insane. Like I, I expected it to go, you know, a certain, you know, I expect to get so many views per episode. It's been five to six times more than I thought. It's been crazy. And I've been just getting messages on Instagram being like, hey, just listen to the podcast. Fantastic. I'm like, oh, good. I've gotten like a hundred of those in the last week. It's been going crazy good. And I'm not saying that as a brag. I'm just happy that people find yeah. this podcast good. So if you're listening to this right now, thank you so much. This is amazing. People have approached my wife at work and been like, oh, I, I, I can't wait for the podcast. I'm excited for the podcast. It's awesome. It's great. Like people that, that aren't even approaching me, talking to someone who knows me and telling them they love the podcast. So it's it's cool to hear where this good feedback is coming from because it's not just it's not oh, just people my mom says Instagram. like that was a great podcast yeah. son. like it's genuine good comments coming back from the well, feedback it's and amazing. to add a little story i actually i saw my dad and he didn't even know what spotify was because he's not really into technology yeah. so i downloaded spotify he just got a smartphone so he i downloaded spotify and the first thing i downloaded was the the average ontario anglers podcast and then he listened to it and he texted me the next day. He's like, that was fantastic. Yeah, I'm like, te- oh, he he's a little biased. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, one thing to add, if you can please give us a review, if you're on Apple or Spotify or Google, if you can give us a review, it really helps us. So far, the reviews have been fantastic. Yeah. You know, only 17 or 18 one-star reviews. That's not bad. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> They've all been good. But anyway, just to add to this as well, again, our uh, giveaway sponsor this week is the Robro. But if you uh, are associated with a brand, you make your own product, you would like to sponsor a giveaway that we will talk about on our podcast and also on our social media platforms, please contact us ASAP because we're actually at this time of recording, we're booked all the way till June. Yeah. It's been insane. I've had literally tons of, of it, companies approach me and be it. like, hey, can we do this for you guys? I'm like, fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> so we have some really cool giveaways coming, like giveaways that I wish I could win. We have people that are small shops. We have some large companies as well. So, yeah. Yeah. 
anyway, we don't want to get too commercial here, but <laughs> these giveaways are going to you guys. So we, we appreciate this stuff. we appreciate everyone who's already reached out to us as well because we want to be able to pass this on to the listeners to those who enter the giveaways. So there there are some guidelines to enter the giveaways, but we'll discuss that later too. Yeah. So anyway, um, our topic this week we finally got to. Um, <laughs> well, about 15 minutes in. That's not bad. Is steelhead fishing in the creeks. Steelhead fishing is something that I've been doing a long time. Probably almost 20 years. As soon as I could go to the creek by myself. I grew up actually right down the road from a, from a local stream here. As soon as I was allowed to go down the creek by myself, which was when I was 13, my dad said, you have, to be, you have to be 13. Yeah. <laughs> and I started, like, I grew up trout fishing, even at a young age, like very young, five or six years old. My dad took me stream trout fishing and we didn't really fish steelhead. It was all stream trout, brook trout, brown trout, that kind of thing. But as soon as I was 13, I saved up my paper root money. And one of the first nicer rods I bought, I bought a Fenwick HMX float rod, which at the time was $120. And at the time, that was a lot of money for me. I <laughs> saved up my paper root for, you know, a few months. But I bought a I bought a nice, you know, slow power or slow action, <laughs> 11 and a half foot. It wasn't super long, 11 and a half foot. And uh, I actually didn't have a center pin because I couldn't afford one. So I just slapped my you know shimano 2500 spinning reel on there and i is that the shimano sahara the you, sahara yeah back in the day i still have it it's you use that old. for everything yeah i used to that reel is basically almost falling apart <laughs> i retired it but anyway and that was my setup and i basically i didn't really have any friends that float fish were still it so i pretty much had to te- i had to teach myself because back then like youtube was not really you know a way to get information about fishing maybe it had started to be but we were just like learning stuff from books and magazines like outdoor canada and ontario to doors that's where i learned and I, I learned by just you know going out and getting skunked and getting skunked and getting skunked and then <laughs> once in a while i get skunked again <laughs> but i hear a lot of people um message me and be like hey man i'm not catching steelhead what, what am i doing wrong i'm gonna give you some tips that i've learned from getting skunked for 20 years <laughs> of catching steelhead Steelhead aren't salmon. You can't floss them. Yeah, they actually take some <laughs> skill to catch. Yeah, we're gonna go over a few things that I've come up with, but we asked a we asked a question on the poll on Instagram, and I was expecting that you know a few you know questions. There's like 35 really good questions, and and th- since these are the questions that you guys want to hear, I think we're gonna go over my little spiel for about 10 minutes, and then we're gonna go over all the questions because they're actually phenomenal questions, and mostly they cover. A, a wide range of topics so i thought we could do that so first of all like we were saying steelhead fishing it can be intimidating if you're just starting to get into it this is more of like a steelhead fishing basics if you already fish steelhead and you know you're like oh, i slay fish down at the creeks good for you this is probably stuff you already know that's fantastic but let me tell you a secret we can all learn from each other i'm not dumb enough to think that i can't learn from someone else and believe me if i've been on the creeks for 20 years and you've been on the creeks for five years Believe me, you can learn something from me. And I can learn something from someone who's been on the creek for more years than me. We can all learn from each other. So anyway, my initial advice would be just keep going. Keep trying. You're not going to go out and slay 30 steelhead in your first day ever steelhead fishing. There is a learning curve to steelhead fishing because you're dealing with current, right? You're not just plopping a Sanko into a, you know, beside a dock and catching a bass. You're dealing with current. You're dealing with very, like, line-shy fish. You're dealing with really cold temperatures. And often very clear water. Very clear, yeah. yeah. And some of the tips we're going to give you hopefully will help you keep trying and be successful. And my main, my main tip is don't <laughs> let those salty old losers down at the creek, 
you know, make you sad. Steelhead anglers are some of the most crusty people you'll ever meet. There's a lot of nice guys out yep. there and girls, but there's a lot of people that, you know, they'll look down no your nose at etiquette you. whatsoever. Yep. They're really like, oh, I can't believe you're fishing my spot. Usually these are old guys, but I've met a lot of crusty teenagers too. <laughs> they think that they own the creek. Try to be nice to each other out there. We can all learn from each other. I had an experience just briefly. I was uh, fishing uh, on Monday. I had the day off work. Went down to the local spot. There's a few spots I want to fish, and there was no one there. And uh, first two drifts, um, I caught one, a nice one, like a seven or eight pound hen, silver, beautiful, fought it. And then when I was taking uh, the hook out in, in the net, I looked up the creek and at the next hole up, there was a young man fishing up there. And I was like, okay, no big deal. Uh, you know, it's nice to be out there by yourself, but in the GTA. Are you 50 at, years old? There was a young man fishing up there. He was, he was like 20. So yeah, <laughs> I'm a good year older than him, a few years older. <laughs> but anyway, he was fishing up there. Another old guy came down and saw him and basically apparently was basically complaining that there's every hole had someone at it which wasn't true i fished up river and there's no one there it was just me and that young guy and then this old yeah. guy that was mad so anyway the old guy left all crusty the young guy comes down to, to see the fish that i was unhooking and while i was unhooking the fish i was like you know you want to fish this spot i know there's a few more in there and he's like oh you don't mind he's like absolutely not go ahead i just caught one happy like i'm happy for you yeah. to fish it right so he started doing some drifts he actually took a nice picture of the fish for me, which was fantastic. And it was actually a really good picture for once. <laughs> but uh, he was he was saying to me that like one of the main things that he finds discouraging about steelhead fishing was just the people that you bump into, which is sad because fishing should be something enjoyable. It shouldn't be something that you go home and you're like just ticked off. Yeah. And unfortunately, steelhead fishing, it's very toxic and it's crowded and there's not a lot of space to fish and there's too many people in each hole. So like just be prepared for that. That's what it is now. Because I know for me, like when I've gone out, I, I'm I'm nowhere near as proficient at it as Jesse. I've started way later in life. For for me, I've only gone out, you know, a few a few dozen times in total in my life uh, for a steelhead. But when I go, I have either a fly rod or yeah. I have a spinning rod, and then I'm walking past these guys with these two thousand dollar center pin setups, and they're looking down their nose at me and in their waders, and I'm like got rolled up jeans and some wading shoes. Like I don't have the funds, I don't have the gear. But I still want to go out there and enjoy it. And guess what? You still catch I, fish. I still can, yeah. It's you don't need expensive good. gear to catch steelhead. We're going to get into a gear a little bit, but yeah, yeah 100%. So basically, yeah, I, I was talking to this young guy down at the creek. We had, a, we had a really good conversation. He was fishing the pool. And then as soon as I was done unhooking my fish, I released it. I let him drift a few times. And then he put his, you know, his hook back on the hook keeper. And he stepped back. He's like, okay, hold yours. Because it was my spot. I was there. And mm -hmm. I was like, you're fantastic. You actually understand river ethics. A lot of people don't and that annoys me yeah. people will go above you right beside you they just ruin the spot you have to learn basic etiquette and we'll get into that in another episode because that is a long topic but i thought today we could just focus so like there's tons of ways to catch steelhead in the creeks and we're just focusing in the creeks you can also catch them in the river mouth too but that's it's very yeah. different but like andrew said you can do fly fishing i used to fly fish quite a bit um you can use uh you know a long spinning rod you can use a float rod with a spinning reel. You can use a center pin setup, which is like a long, you know, slow or slow action rod with a center pin reel. You can even use a bait casting reel and free spool it like a, like a pin, like a center pin. Yeah. So there's tons of ways to catch steelhead, but we're going to mostly focus on float fishing. So whether you're using a spinning reel and a float rod or a center pin reel, it's pretty much, I'd say, one of the most effective ways to get steelhead. That's why it's the most popular. Yes. So on float fishing, we're going to talk about gear. If you're just getting into center pin fishing, 
and you're listening to this, you're probably like, what should I get? Now, it really depends on the size of the river. Like Andrew will tell you, like, what size of float rod do you want to use on some of these smaller creeks? Oh, definitely like a 14-foot BC one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you don't want to be using that 15-foot, you know, Niagara-sized yeah. float rod you, out there. You need something that, you know, can at most reach into the center of the creek, which is creeks are 10 feet wide. So, you know, you, you don't need any more than a 10-foot rod yeah. around these areas. These The small tributaries are fishing. There are bigger ones on the Great Lakes. Like, if you go down to the Credit River... For sure, you can use a larger rod. There's the the river you were telling me about too, where guys are, are drift fishing down there. The like soggy, yeah, the soggy. Yeah, if you're fishing Niagara, the soggy, and some bigger rivers, you can get away with generally longer rods. Yeah. And sometimes there's advantages to that. But if you're fishing what we call the east tribs, there are all the small tributaries coming out of Lake Ontario on the east side. There's tons of little tribs, and you know the average they're only about 20, 25 feet wide. Yeah. You know, it depends on the on the spot. And I'd say the most common length of rod to get is a 12 and a half to 13 footer and that sounds long but that's pretty normal my favorite size of rod for fishing small east tribs is an 11 footer so i don't know if you notice like most rod manufacturers like when they make float rods they'll make something about 11 11 and a half feet and then they jump up to about 13 foot and generally i'd say decide where you're fishing you're fishing some small bushy creeks get a shorter rod you can even get shorter ones you can get like nine and a half footers but for most you know small trib fishing i'd get an 11 footer the power of the rod so most full rods the action is like a moderate or a slow so they have a lot of bend and that helps protect the leader when you're fighting these fish sometimes you have to use very light line but generally so 11 and a half or 11 foot to 13 foot rod anywhere in there you're gonna it's, it's gonna come down to personal preference really um some guys like really long rods. I know there's even some of the smaller creeks I fish. I see guys fishing like 14 foot rods, which seems a bit insane, but it works for them, right? But mostly you're going to be looking at a light action or a light power, sorry, or a medium light power. So really it depends again on personal preference. Some guys like a little more of a whippy rod. Light power is, is very versatile for some, I'd say fish under 10 pounds generally. If you're fishing bigger water, you're using bigger weights, I jump up to a medium light. If you need one rod to do both, get a medium light because it'll handle both situations. So that's for rods. Like, again, if you want more information on this, we can't cover everything in this podcast or else this podcast would be like three hours long. Send us a message on Instagram. We'll, we'll uh, hook you up. Uh, for reels, again, like we said, you can use a spinning reel. It's not as ideal. Center pins give you way more control over, over your drift. But if you're buying a center pin reel, buy the best one you can afford or buy something used to save money because center pin reels have, have got extremely expensive like i bought my islander a few years ago and i remember it was about 600 bucks because i got the one with the the upgraded bearings in it and i looked at the price recently at the store and they went up everything went up definitely look used and buy the best one you can get because buy once cry once if you buy a cheap pin you'll use it for a few years but then I see people sell them all the time. They want to get a better one. Float reels are very basic pieces of equipment. As long as you take care of them, they will last a long time if they're good quality. If it's a nice machined reel, you don't want one of those cheap pressed reels of pressed metal. They eventually will break. But if you get like an Islander and you take care of it, you'll hand that down to your grandkids. Like the thing is a beast. Yeah, they're expensive. They're $700, but it lasts forever. So with float fishing, I don't know if you're going to get into it there, but uh, the reason why a float reel is so advantageous over a spinning reel is because you're fishing current all the time you can those reels spin at such a slow velocity with such little pull you can just touch it and it will unravel your line at the same rate that it is drifting downstream so it's not creating any undue pull on your float on your line on your drift as you're going along whereas if you're fishing a spinning rod 
you can track it with your rod tip, but you're only going to have at most like eight, ten feet of movement on your rod yeah. down the creek. Whereas you could let you could let it drift. You can do what they call a hero drift and just on a center pin, just let it drift until you can't even see the bobber anymore. <laughs> you can open this this the bale on a spinning reel, but then it's going to come off in loops. And say a fish grabs it, you have to flip the bale down and then set the hook with a bunch of loops and slack in there. Yeah. It's not as efficient. Some old timers like it. It's not as ideal. Um, but again, in the smaller trips, you you can get away with a spinning reel. I did for years when I was yeah, a kid. But I still do. <laughs> yeah, it, it has nothing to do. It has to do more with presentation than what you're holding in your hand. The steelhead don't know what you're holding in your hand. If yeah. a bait is presented to them in a correct way, they're going to eat it. They don't care if you have a you know an expensive center pin reel in your hand or a float rod or whatever. They don't care. <laughs> we're going to get more into hooks and sinkers and stuff because there's questions about that. But as for baits, again, we're going to talk about the row bro. One of the most common baits to use is row or, or trout eggs or salmon eggs tied into a little mesh bag. They, they work really good. They're popular. They work mostly good, I'd say, for me personally in like murkyish water. In clear water, I like to use other stuff if I can get away with it. It's not a as natural of a presentation in crystal clear water. I like to use like a single egg profile in clear water. We're gonna get more into that, but if you are gonna be using Row, definitely get a Row Bro because it's it's very convenient. I, this is a product that I've been using for years, and I love it because it's so convenient. You put your Row in there. You can get ones with one canister, two or three. Yeah. So you could have different colors, different sizes. Floating, like, sinking. Yeah, I like to have yep. different uh, color bags. Sometimes that makes a difference. I don't know why. Um, and then you just click it onto your, your belt or your, your pack and you're good. It just dangles there behind you. And every time you need a bag, you just reach down, grab it, let I'll, it hang. I'll say this. I, I don't have much experience. Again, I don't have a whole lot of experience with this stuff, but what experience I do have with Row is I, I countless times when I was using it, Jesse would give me, here's a little Tupperware container filled with Row. And I can't tell you how many times I'd pull out a little Row, row bag, put on the hook and then while still holding the open container, just dump it onto the ground while like hooking the hook through the bag. And I don't have that problem with the row bro, because I can just like pop it open, I grab one, close it, and just drop it, it hangs down again. Yeah. So that for me, well, that's worth it because I'm not dumping my row on the ground every yeah. ten minutes. And we both have one. We both <laughs> yeah. use it. It it was a, a a good niche to fill because again, not all steel guys use row, but a lot of them do. Yeah. And it's not just for row. I, I've used it trout fishing in the summer too, just for... Well, you can put yeah, whatever put, you want in it. Put some you can, worms you in there. Put some uh, smarties in there Put some spinners in there. <laughs> um, common mistakes for steelhead fishing. Again, we're going to go more in depth in the questions, but common mistakes that I would say is a lot of people that I see that aren't catching fish is they're not fishing deep enough. People need You need to understand that the current speed is different at the top of the water than it is at the bottom. You need to get your bait down to the bottom. Steelhead generally are in the bottom quarter or the bottom 25% of the of the, the river or the creek. In the in these trips, I'd say generally that's pretty true. You need to get your bait down. If your bait is literally, you don't have enough weight so your bait's like way up at the top, you're rarely gonna catch any fish because the bait's going way over their head. They're not gonna, especially in cold water, they're not gonna swim up to grab a row bag that's like six inches under the surface. Yeah. It needs to be down in front of their face. And especially in some swifter current, it needs to be down there right in front of their face. They won't move six inches to grab it. Because the, the fish themselves, they'll hang right at the bottom of the creek, like Jesse was saying. So due to the rules of hydrodynamics. Ooh, science. Yeah. So you, you have, uh, as the current comes along, and like we've seen on the, on, on the creek surface, you can see eddies, you can see rip curls, you see water and it goes through rapids, it hits a rock and starts curling around the rock. You can see that on the surface of the water. That exact same thing is happening under the water. So when there's a boulder 
subsurface that you're not seeing it change the ripples on top of the water, there's still water flow past it and it creates a current a vortex behind it so when a fish sits behind a rock or in a little a pit in the on the bottom there's a lot less resistance for them so when these fish are in their spawn they're coming up these creeks they get tired because they're going kilometers up these tiny creeks blasting through riffles like that are way too shallow for them to normally reside in so they exert themselves jumping up waterfalls up up dams in these ripples and then get to these pools they want to expend as little energy as possible and rest up for the next little run they do. So they will sit down in the bottom, they'll sit behind rocks, they'll sit behind logs because that's where the water curling around these objects is actually going to help keep them in that spot using very limited, minimal efforts. So that's why if you're not fishing low enough, you're literally not in their strike zone. They're not going to exert themselves, move up into fast moving water above them to grab something when they're trying to rest right now. Yeah, and, it's, and they're cold blooded fish. Sometimes when you're fishing, especially in like the winter, like, you know, early spring, late winter, the water's freezing cold. Like it's literally just, just not frozen. And these fish, they won't move that far. They're very sluggish. They're cold blooded. So you definitely, that's the main mistake. And, and that's a mistake that I made a lot when I was, when I was learning. Cause sometimes you'd see, you know, you'll see like your pink worms are bad for that. Especially if you hook them wacky, the current catches it. And it, you look and it's floating like really high in the water. And you're like, what the heck? Yeah. And if you've been fishing like that all day, almost all your drifts have been a waste of time yeah. you know you might get lucky here and there if there's always the exceptions to the rules like sometimes you'll, you'll cast out and you'll see a steelhead swim you know seven feet over and just slam whatever you plop down in the water yeah but that's that's an exception generally to the like post spawn <laughs> yeah when they're super aggressive but that's one common mistake another common mistake we'll get more into is only fishing obvious spots I know like, you'll see like a nice pool or like a deep corner or something like that. And you're like, yeah, that's, there's hundred percent fish in there. It's like, yeah, there may be, but probably, you know, 300 people fished for them fishing the same baits as you all weekend long mm-hmm. fish, like pockets, fish behind rocks. Like Andrew said, fish, like little undercut banks, fish that are getting annoyed in these pools by seeing 5,000 row bags drift by their face. One or two of them will shoot up every once in a while. And where do they hide in little nondescript spots? Yeah. And you can have a really good day, especially when the Creek's crowded. Just literally look for those little spots. They may be sitting in like the weirdest spot, like beside yeah. a log or like behind a little rock in the middle of the river. And there might be one or two back there. And dude, those fish, they're unpressured. No one's touching yeah. them. I've and, seen so many times walking the creek because like you say, you're walking, if it, especially if it's a creek, you know, you're walking from your spot to spot, which you know are like your, your best holes, let's say. But you'll cut corners. You'll see like the creek bend up there and like, oh yeah, it's all just shallow riffles over there. I'm not going to even bother walking. And you cut the corner, cut across the peninsula and fish the next bend in the creek. But when I've actually walked down there, I'll see, yeah, there's an overhanging tree. There's four inches of water and there's six steelheads sitting under it yeah. because no one's bothered them all day. Yeah, 100%. So yeah, like obviously the big deep pools are the are, and the big bends and the undercuts. Those are the spots that you want to focus on, especially early, early in the season, like late winter. Because those fish, like, they're going to hole up in the deeper holes until some rain comes and they start pushing up. Yeah. But you're going to focus on those. But if it is pressured and all the steelhead creeks around here are pressured, believe yes. me, you're going to do that. Another thing that we'll get into more is, like, if fish are pressured, don't use the same baits. Yeah. Everyone's like, row bag, that's all I use. It catches fish. I don't need anything else. Or, like, some guys are like, I just fish beads or I just fish pink worms. It's like, you can't just fish one thing. It doesn't make sense. If everyone, like, think on the weekend, hundreds and hundreds of people are fishing and all of them drift the same pool 300 times. That steelhead's seeing, like, say they all fish row bags. That steelhead has seen so many row bags whip by his head. 
they can just turn off from that. And then you chuck something different, like a fly, and you might catch them on the first or second drift with that because it's yeah. different and they're hungry. They just turn off of row bags. I've seen that happen. Other days, row bags are the deal. Some days you can't catch anything on them. So yeah. change it up. And that goes with all fish, but yeah. steelhead get very picky because again, clear water, hundreds of people fishing for them. Anyway, there's yeah, there's so much to talk about steelhead fishing. We definitely cannot fit it in. We're gonna do another one in April about you know closer to opener mm-hmm. when uh, you know the end of April when everyone's getting ready to go for steelhead. Those are very pressured fish. So we're gonna talk about that. We can't really cover everything, but there's so many good questions. This is gonna be our Q and A, and Andrew has the questions there. And we're going to kind of just answer as much as we can briefly. And again, if you need more information, if we can help out, we'll we'll definitely do that. So uh, here's a question from Kyle Kalina. Uh, best rigs. So double fly, bead and worm. What would what would be something? Best rig? Best rig, yeah. So okay. what would be, you know, let's say you have three rigs you're going to try that day to see what fish you're using. What are your first three that you try? Okay, so it depends on the water. But let's say in general with regular slightly stained water, I'm always fishing a bead first. That's like my main thing. I'm going to start with like an eight millimeter bead. If the fish aren't touching that, my second option is to immediately just put a pink worm on. I'll keep the bead on and everything. I'll just put a pink worm on as well. That's my second rig. And then my third rig, if things get really finicky, is a fly. Now I didn't mention row in there. Row is like my last ditch effort if the water's really murky or if the fish just sometimes really want it. But a fly is one of those baits that the fish just slam when it gets really pressured because not a lot of people fish them. So those are my three rigs. Uh, JR Fishing Hunting, uh, my old schoolmate, shout out to Jeff. Yeah. So uh, he was asking, how do you approach a busy area with tons of pressure? So a lot of guys in the creek, how do you how do you approach that? So like we were saying, like these fish are really pressured. Etiquette wise, like if, if a pool's crowded, just keep walking. Don't try to squeeze into a spot if there's already a bunch of people fishing. If you if there is a spot and it looks like there's uh, you know an area for you to fish, always ask. You know, hey, do you mind if I fish here or if I fish down here? And if they say yes, 100% go fish it. If they say, if they kind of hesitate, just be like, you know what, I'll just keep walking. That's always appreciated. I'm always happy to let someone squeeze in as long as they're being polite. Pressured fish, again, I'm not going to use the same baits as everyone. If everyone's fishing row, everyone fishes pink worms, try something different. Try, if everyone's fishing beads, try a really small bead. Put a six mil bead on instead of an eight. It may not seem that, that much of a difference, but it, it's a big difference. I've outfished people using eights with a six all the time. And it, it changes how it rolls into the water. Yeah. And it, it moves along. it's very clear. I'd actually say a trout egg is probably more like five millimeters, like an actual trout egg. Mm-hmm. So like an eight millimeter, it's not even close to the same size as a trout egg. No. So a six millimeter is very close. So I, I feel like it's the most natural presentation. And even a big fish will move over to, to grab a little trout egg. They must taste that much amazingness that the big <laughs> fish will move for a tiny little speck of an egg. So here's a good one uh, from Nature Daddies. Uh, what are your go-to hook sizes? He was always told to use tiny hooks. Yeah, I was told that too, and that's a myth. Don't use a tiny hook. You're fishing for big fish. I, I feel like the tiny hook thing was kind of popular back in the day when people used to float fish with noodle rods. Remember <laughs> that? So you'd be using like, you know, three four pound liters and yeah. monofilament liters and you needed to use these small hooks to get to get fish i personally use a bigger hook not a big hook i don't know the size off the top of my head but like when i'm fishing beads i like a straight uh like a wide gap raven i think it's called a wide wide gap specimen hook i'm not sure exactly the size that i use but it, it's just a fair size hook it's about the size of the bead that i'm using i like to use like if i'm using an eight millimeter bead i like the hook to be about the same size or bigger than the hook 
I don't like using small hooks. Modern float rods are, are very crisp and powerful. You can get a hook into a fish really easy. You don't need the tiny thin hook to, you know, cause you're using a whippy rod. You hook more fish. Like if, if I'm fishing a bead and that hook has to nick the fish in the mouth, I don't want a tiny, tiny hook. Now, again, if the fish are really pressured, I will drop down in hook size. But when I can get away with it, especially murky water, why wouldn't you use a slightly bigger hook? Yeah, there's another question here, which I thought was uh, interesting. I can take this one if you want, Jesse. Yeah. Because um, I can't do I can't do most of these, but this one I actually know. <laughs> ah. So, uh, Corey Reed, uh, what's the difference between steelhead and rainbows? Technically, we don't have steelhead <laughs> in Lake Ontario. Yeah. A steelhead is uh, rainbow trout that are living in the ocean that move into fresh water to the spawn. Those are called steelhead. That term gets applied because they're coming from the big lake into the tributaries. They will still call them, like we still call a them steelhead A migratory here. fish. Yes. They're not migrating from the ocean, but they're migrating from the Great Lakes, which so, are the size of mini oceans. So yeah, so a rainbow trout that resides in the creek is often called a native trout because it's never moving out all the way into into the Great Lake. However, if they're coming, if they're coming in from a large body of water into the rivers, then you'd call it a steelhead. Exactly. And I know from, like a lot of guys from the West Coast will basically insult Great Lakes steelhead because they're not real steelhead because they weren't ever in the salt. Yeah. I don't care. The they, Great Lakes aren't small lakes. They're massive lakes. Like Lake Superior, massive. You know, like yeah. we're, these fish are coming up from a big lake. Do they fight as good as the fish from the salt water? Probably not. Are they still amazing fish to catch? Yes. It's not a huge deal. I mean, if it you want to get mad at me, huge deal if you get into an argument with someone from BC. <laughs> just don't call it a speckle. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sling pack or hip pack from Chase 14. Um, what do you use? I use a hip pack. I used to be like from the generation where we use vests. Remember the old steelhead fishing vests? I still have I feel vest. old. Fishing vests were good, but they're not popular anymore because it just puts a lot of weight on your shoulders. Yeah. And I found like for me, my shoulder my neck would hurt after you know a decent amount of time down the creek i like a hip pack myself um some guys like shoulder packs it just it's personal preference really this is a really interesting question from environmentalist 101 what's more important having the right bait or right presentation definitely presentation i feel like with any fish but even steelhead if you present the bait to them correctly most of the time unless they're being super finicky they're going to take it you know, like if you properly present right in front of it, like a pink worm or a row bag or a fly, fish is going to like people think, oh, steelhead don't eat. These are big fish. Some of them are like 10, 12, up to 20 pound fish. Mm-hmm. You think they're just starving the whole time for, for weeks as they go up the creek? No, they're eating. So if you present properly a bait to them, they're going to eat it. Yeah. They're, they're not starving themselves for, for weeks. They're not salmon. They're, they still need to eat. <laughs> yeah, because rainbow trout. Uh, oftentimes don't die after the spawn they migrate back to the lake and they might spawn multiple times in their yeah. lifetime so yeah. they definitely do eat if you are presenting something incorrectly but it's the right color that doesn't matter <laughs> you're not going to catch fish <laughs> on it uh here is uh i hope i say this right Dernier vols I, that's not correct but that's how i'm going to say it okay <laughs> <laughs> sorry man <laughs> some guys use the smallest bobber possible why is that um it, it, it's again it's personal preference i have a few different bobbers it's, it's going to depend what size of river you fish if you fish niagara you're going to use way bigger bobbers than if you fish an east trip I, I like to use the smallest bobber i can get away with that still properly holds up my weight you don't want to use a small bobber that is constantly going underwater for no reason just because you're you're it's too small your bobber should hold your bait up that's the whole point of it you're going to take off some steelhead guys it's called a float yeah it's a bobber <laughs> So 
the difference too with bobber size is depending how many split shot you have or dust shots whatever you're using if you oversize it you're gonna need way too much split shot to fit fish the wherever current you're you're fishing in. which is unnatural it's yeah so yeah. again presenting your bait properly that's where you're going to want to use uh, a properly balanced you need a great amount of grams of weight on there as to how many grams of float you're using you don't want to overweight and then it's useless or and, underweight and then yeah <laughs> and that's going to take some trial and error up. there's no like one correct answer that you could tell someone but really like i'd say if you're fishing the east tribs for instance or any small creek i'd have a selection from like four gram floats all the way up to like nine that's a good selection for fishing these smaller creeks start off with four if the water's slow and again there's different kinds of floats you can get acorn floats you can get thinner pencil floats if you're fishing uh, very calm water you can go with a thinner float if you're fishing in current you're going to want an acorn float because it doesn't sink through the current is easy so there's so many variables but really if you just get a standard size float you see the regular what's that brand we like the the wooden ones phil not phil riverwood riverwood or, or raven floats just the regular size oh, floats. Yes. just get i think i'm thinking summer fishing again yeah get <laughs> one or two bobbers. of each size from four to nine mil or a gram and then just go from there and adjust so the water's high put on a big one so leave my 30 gram float at home for yeah. what i normally use for pike <laughs> this isn't a pike season yet <laughs> there was uh, from steelheader jacob what's your favorite way to start target steelhead um this has nothing to do with float fishing but i say my favorite way to target steelhead is using a, a panther martin spinner i have a, a really sick like hardware like you know we call spoons and spinners hardware right i have a really sick hardware combo it's a nine and a half foot st croix medium light uh, fast action it's not like a slow rod and i pair that up with a 4000 shimano reel and you know eight to ten pound mono and i just whew, just whip out a little panther marine just reel it and then right through a pool and these fish post spawn like yeah. after the spawn you can catch them before too but they slam it boom they slam your rod like, and then as soon as they, they feel the hook they go straight <laughs> downstream and you're chasing these fish like that to me is so exhilarating and i know there's lots of guys that are like oh you shouldn't use trouble hooks in the creek and you're snagging fish it's like i'm not snagging fish i'm reeling a spinner through a deep hole okay you're more likely to snag a fish dragging a bait under a float with a long leader yeah. than I am with a spinner. But to me, spinners or, or like a little flatfish, yeah, like a little crankbait, very fun. Even like little minnow baits, stuff like that. Yeah. And, the, and it's and visual too. Sometimes yeah. you can target fish. You'll see like a fish sitting like in front of a, you know, like beside a rock and you'll chuck a little crankbait beside it or a spinner mm -hmm. and just reel it. And then you can see it just lock its eyes on and just swim up and smack it. Yeah. And I have, I have a quick story about that. So back when I was young, like 14, I went fishing with my buddy, my buddy Dax. And uh, everyone was, it was the trout opener. And everyone was fishing. It was crowded. And we got to this nice bend. And there was about, I'd say, like 15 steelhead in, in this pool. You could see them. The waters didn't clear. They'd been fishing for hours since the break of, you know, the break of dawn, right? <laughs> all float fishing and, you know, all these fancy center pin reels. But at the time, all I had was my spinning rod. It was a 6.6 medium with a, you know my sahara 2500 shimano with 10 pound mono right and we get to this pool and the fish were just all swimming around and i had a little cleo not a big one a little one and uh i chucked it into the pool first cast this big buck it was about it was i'd say 13 14 pounds it was big it just came up and smacked it like it just <laughs> crushed it and it, i'm just fighting this fish and the guys were mad at me because i was scaring the fish in the hole I was like, what would happen if you had hooked that fish? Yeah. But they were mad at me because they thought I snagged it because I was a kid using a spoon. Comes up, dude, the fish was right in the top of his mouth. Little Cleo. I was like, hardware works. Yeah. And all these guys, don't be annoyed by them thinking they're all snobby that only like bait and flies work. 
Spoons can work too. Spoons, spinners, crankbaits, and it's yeah. really fun. I, I really like fishing for steelhead and the dropbacks because then the creeks open up a lot more and not as many guys there. Yeah. And, and they're aggressive. Then they're a bit more aggressive too. Yeah. So I, I really like That being said, fish. early season when they're dime silver, yeah. that's amazing. Best fight of your life. Uh, here's a good one from, I don't know how to say these names sometimes. Uh, Vincenier Garth. Uh, opinion on how to get started into steelhead so i know we talked a bit about you know getting if you want to get a float set up but if you just you've never fished for steelhead before kind of what could you use to get out there then i guess yeah so if you're going to invest a little bit and buy an actual float fishing combo i would buy the best float fishing combo you can if either buy a center pin rod and reel or uh, get a long float rod and put a spinning reel on it get a like we said get a selection of floats uh, get some leader material you're going to want like you know I'd say six pound test fluorocarbon is a good starting place general purpose buy a bunch of hooks and then if you want to just be simple I just buy a pack of pink worms maybe a pack of beads go down to the creek focus on those deep holes find deep water if you can't see the bottom and it's slow and has a little bit of current that's the spot you want to fish you know make sure you're, like we said make sure your baits down by the bottom and then repetition make sure your drifts are good keep going don't get discouraged and keep fishing these good spots and you will eventually catch fish these fish are not impossible to catch. There's just a learning curve. So be prepared to learn a little bit. That's my advice, but you don't need an expensive combo or all this baits. You can literally go with a handful of pink worms and some hooks and go yeah. catch steelhead. Well, oh, yeah. you, you need a fishing rod too. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to take a little detour of, I was thinking of my favorite uh, steelhead fishing story I've ever had. Okay, tell me this. So Jess and I were fishing, uh, we call it Jumper Creek. Oh, Jumper Nicknamed Creek. after this story, so. okay. There is a, this big pool. There's this massive, probably like four foot around tree that was kind of angled right over the pool. So and just I, as some story, this is like headwater. This isn't yeah, wide open. This, this is, is like the creek's 10 feet wide. Yeah. And yeah. and up above me, there's a log jam. And below me, there's a log jam. It's a, If you hook a fish here, you're like doomed. <laughs> across the creek from me, I'm just laying the scenery here. Across the creek, <laughs> there's like three down trees in the water. Like just like no no branches anymore, but just like the, the logs down in the water. And like a six inch shallow bay off to the side and i can't see i know there's fish below me in front of the one log jam but i can't see i'm hiding it was crystal clear water i'm hiding behind this massive tree leaning out over the creek and so i cast out using a worm and jesse's standing on the opposite side of the creek and i'm like just tell me if a fish bites it because like, i can't see it all because i could see where <laughs> i was standing i could see everything yeah so i i'm completely blind at this point and my Jesse's like, all of a sudden he's like, hey, there, set the hook. So I set the hook. It was a nice little little drop back buck. Yeah. And uh, I think that was my, I don't think it was my first steelhead, but it was, it was one of my first ones. Your first bigger one. I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, all of a sudden this thing starts like cartwheeling through the air. Like, it was a jumper. <laughs> it's one of those fish. It jumped like what? And it wasn't, it wasn't fresh by any means. Like, it was fairly dark coloring on it. Yeah. But it, had been it, was, it was jumping. So this thing, I can't see. I'm just holding this rod out, hoping it doesn't get snagged in the tree. And it, it pinwheels over top of these logs into the shallow bay and swims underneath the logs back into the creek. And Jesse's just like, you're done. That's it. Like, yeah, because his line was literally <laughs> just like, wrapped right around. And so I'm like, I'm not giving up. So I, I pulled it. I saw it. At this point, I could see it when it was on that side of the creek. And so I saw its head shake down. I gave it a pull on the line. I pulled its head back underneath those logs swam directly into the bay then it started running towards me and just as it's getting close to the logs i just like reefed on my rod to bring its head up and forced it to jump back over this log jam and it did a cartwheel <laughs> over the log back into the pool and then it got it in the net yeah <laughs> it was amazing so yeah. it was amazing that was uh that's probably my favorite steelhead story but 
they are an amazing fish to catch like especially when they're fresh you hook it and they're jumping instantly like six seven times cartwheels like a meter up in the air yeah, sometimes blistering like, runs oh yeah it's crazy. and the great thing about steelhead fishing is back in the day it was different because winters were cold but down here it's different like you can fish steelhead pretty much right through the winter because especially now <laughs> the creeks don't really lock up that much anymore like there's a probably about a month period but like you're fishing january february march april may i catch steelhead into june in some of these sprig fed uh, headwaters and then the summer nothing and then september october november december like once you get into it you can realize why a lot of people do it and some people only fish steelhead because it takes up the whole year <laughs> are there any other like there's, really good questions like there's we, one we have uh, enough for maybe two or three yeah more. so the one lip ripping podcast do you ever eat them or catch and release only i do eat steelhead but i'm very picky on what i keep yep i don't keep I used to, back in the day, I'm sure most guys are steelhead guys. I used to keep hens and keep their eggs and then eat the fish, obviously. I don't keep hens anymore. I, I might, the rare occasion for the eggs, but I, I buy my eggs now. I actually buy my eggs from Fish Heads, Fish Heads Canada. It comes vacuum sealed. I, I freeze them and then when I use them, is it as good as fresh out of a fish egg? Probably not, but they work enough that it catches me fish. I have no complaints. I will keep the odd fish. If I do keep a fish, I usually keep a buck and I keep smaller fish. I don't keep bigger fish. Small ones taste better anyway. I generally release probably 95% of the fish I catch, though. I probably only keep, like, one or two a year at yeah. most. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. You can keep your limit every day. That's the law. I have no qualms with seeing a guy carry a fish home from the creek. They're, they're delicious if fish. If I see a stringer of 15 on the side of the creek with their belly split open, though, I've got issues with you now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I guess the last one is uh, just from Chase14, leader lines. What, uh, what would you recommend for, or what do you use for leader lines? I use, there's lots of options. Floor, like, we, like in our last podcast about fishing line, generally fluorocarbon is, gets the nod from, I'd say, the majority of steelhead anglers just because of its, you know, invisibility and it's fairly abrasion resistant. I generally have on mine, because again, it's going to depend where you fish. If you fish in an agra or the Saugeen or something, bigger water, you're going to have different, you know, poundage. But for where we fish in the, in the East Tribs, I'm going to have on my, my leader, material i'm gonna have four pound uh five pound six pound seven pound and eight pound now you, you don't need all those you could probably get away with four six and eight and generally four and six would be good i'll drop down to even three sometimes if the water's legit gin clear but generally six is where i'm going to start and then if the fish are just not biting i'm going to drop down to four and sometimes you will notice a difference and I, a quick story about that i fished a spot that i grew up fishing down at the creek near my house that i grew up in this nice little spot and there's a bunch of fish in it and these two guys were fishing it it seemed like they knew what they were doing and they said to me oh no nothing here like they're not biting and i went in there and i i tied on a three pound leader really long like three or four feet long six mil b just super super finesse first drift i caught one <laughs> and i felt like amazing i was just like oh and the first literally first drift i smoked a fish and it, it probably just had to do with that line diameter that's it it's not that i'm a better angler than them it's just their presentation wasn't as good as mine experiment with lines and again if it's murky yeah use heavier line why no. wouldn't you want to use an eight pound instead of a six take an advantage murky you can. water yeah <laughs> but yeah i'd say from four to eight but four to six is good this will be the last one then okay uh dnots five uh asked how do you know what river to pick and why pick the one that uh it's closest to it's you closest to you <laughs> just kidding uh there's there's lots of trips around here that we fish. I fish a, I fish a lot of them for years, and some of them are known for clearing out faster after a rain. Like, there's a few creeks that people are like, oh, there's a really big rain, and everything else is blown and too muddy, but there's these certain creeks that, that clear out a little faster than the other ones, maybe half a day or a day earlier. So again, like, that may be a consideration after a rain. 
and another thing too is talk to if you know any local anglers or if you know uh, you know local tackle shops asking general questions is not going to be a bad thing yeah. like don't again if you're asking for for specific spots which you know isn't as big of a deal on, on creeks because everyone knows them anyways yeah. you can see what a spot is there or not but you know you can ask you know hey is how's the run doing right now and, and they'll tell you okay you know it's it's slowed down or they were killing it yesterday on, on whatever they don't mind sharing information generic information like that again when you can get the right people in the community where we can all support each other we all want to essentially get out there and enjoy fishing yeah don't so ask for spots though like i i yeah. get people all the time and i and i don't really post steelhead pictures anymore a lot of yeah. people are like oh you don't steal it fish anymore it's like i do i just don't post steelhead pictures because when i post steelhead pictures i get literally dozens of comments on my instagram i mean it, it helps that we have like you know nineteen thousand followers <laughs> but it'll be like oh what creek are you fishing what's the location oh you know what's the water like there today or oh, are you at this creek are you at that creek it's like i'm not gonna tell you go do like drive down to the creek yourself like i know you can't always just drive down to the creek but what i do is sometimes i'll drive by like the spots where everyone parks the fish and if it's full it probably means the fishing is is hot so i'll yeah. go the next day if you go there and there's no cars there there's probably a reason the water's probably one time i got to the spot and no one was there and i was like oh great i got the spot to myself i went down the creek and it was blown super muddy i was like <laughs> okay that's why there's so many creeks it depends like i have my favorite creeks we have our favorite creeks that we like to fish. Sometimes we'll hit multiple ones in the same day, see which one is better. But really, it's personal preference. Sometimes people are like, oh, I don't like fishing this creek. I like fishing this creek. It, it depends. And each, each creek has their own amount of, of fish. The, the size of the run changes between creeks. Yeah. So you, you can find out information online. They do uh, every year. They The MNR and stuff will, will and Cloca, stuff like that, they look at... Uh, the numbers of the runs. So you can often find that information online to see which creeks have the highest number of runs. Generally speaking, there's going to be more anglers on them. But yeah. at the same time, you get the right day, you might have a better chance of getting into something just because of the sheer number that might be running that year. Yeah, and, and to say with that, some of the popular creeks, you could say, like there are some popular creeks and some that are still catch fish, but not as popular. If the popular creeks are, are packed, sometimes we'll go to one of the more not as popular creeks and smash fish that day because no one's there. Yeah. So if you want to catch fish, don't focus on what's popular or not just go in and catch fish there's there's tons of creeks though like and any any creek that reaches the great lake that you can see and make sure that it you know it's not a, a fish sanctuary check it out yourself yeah. take take a look or do research on google like if you type in yeah. steel of fishing southern ontario there's tons of information yeah. don't be asking people for their spots do the research yourself yeah. put in the, the foots you know the steps down at the creek put in the foots <laughs> put in the steps <laughs> But it, it, the thing is, like, I get it when people are like, how, why wouldn't you want to share? I want to learn how to fish. It's like, here's my example I tell people. Imagine if you, like, imagine if Andrew was a baker. He's great at making cakes, amazing at cakes. And I go into his shop and he has a cake there. And I'm like, that's an amazing cake. Imagine the cake is a fish picture. <laughs> how did you bake it? Let Here. me tell you all my secrets. What are the exact ingredients? What temperature do you bake it at? How long do you bake it at? And where do you buy your ingredients? I got good at making this cake because it took me a lot of time and energy and cost to learn how to make it and experience to make it. Why would I just give it to you for free? Like, that's not fair. So that's how I explain it to people. Like, a lot of time and effort goes into learning how to steal a fish and finding spots. Why would I just give that to you for free? not for free i'm not going to charge people but why would i just give that to you when you can literally go and learn yourself like i'm happy to give people tips i'm not going to give you exact locations that may sound mean to some people but that's life if i tell you my spots when i go there 
And there's 10 people there now because I told everyone my spot. So that sounds a bit like a rant, but you have to understand there is with steelhead fishing, you can't just expect everything to be handed to you. Yeah. But at the same time, there are people like we are happy to help you find fish spots or like, you know, how to fish spots and how to learn how to find spots. We're not going to give you spots. And a lot of people won't either. So That's any, a, any last words, Jesse? Well, I have last words, but we have to do our giveaway. Yes. So anyway, again, we can't cover everything on a steelhead episode. We're going to do another one about, uh, you know, closer to opener. If you have any questions, I hope that wasn't too crazy because we kind of <laughs> jumped around a little bit, but me and Andrew are having fun. So we do have the giveaway. Again, this podcast was sponsored by the Robro. And again, she's giving away a custom one. And this giveaway uh, we announced on our Instagram a few weeks ago. And we had basically a question. We're like, what canoe does Andrew own? Listen on our podcast and then direct message us. And we had a whole bunch of people enter. See, I have the, the wheel of names. So I'm going to spin it right now. Actually, I'll let Andrew spin it. I spun it too hard. It's still going. There we go. The winner is Mike Labatt. Mike Labatt. Mike Labatt, you have won a custom Robro. And uh, we'll get in contact with you, and Marissa will make that for you, and she'll yeah. ship it out to you. So, again, we'd like to say thanks for everyone for listening to this podcast. Again, we are taking uh, sponsors for upcoming episodes. So, Andrew, take us take us away. <laughs> so, be sure to subscribe. Again, thank you for anyone, anyone who is. If you get a chance, please leave us a review wherever you're listening to the podcast. Uh, we have it on multiple streaming services right now and even on YouTube. So, if you want to take a look and see us with our random gestures and us stare lovingly into each other's eyes during the whole podcast because this is essentially a conversation between us that we just record. <laughs> Watch us on YouTube. And I guess the last bit of advice that I'd leave is, as Jesse put it, steelheading is difficult and so is life. <laughs> <laughs> but keep on trying. And if you have any questions, you, you know, you're having a difficult time catching steelhead, send us a message. We will help you out. We're looking forward to CanCast, and hopefully we will see you there.